This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. Our worship continues with the reading and study of the Word of God. So let's open our ears and our hearts to hear what God has to say to us through His Word. I'll be reading from Exodus 33, verses 12 to 23. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, Please, show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the goodness of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see it and live. And no man shall see me and live. Excuse me. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. Second reading is uh, from the first epistles of Paul, the apostle to the, to the Thessalonians, chapter 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, for you all, making mention of you in our prayers remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much insurance is you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, 
not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath of come, to come. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Gospel portion for the 20th Sunday after Pentecost is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, beginning at verse 15. Please stand as we give honor to the Lord as he teaches us through his word. Good news, according to Matthew. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. He said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now when they heard these words, they marveled, and they left him, and they went their way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Our world is full of images. They're everywhere. We're constantly bombarded by pictures, by uh, moving images, by YouTube, by Facebook. Uh, we just can't seem to stop. I mean, even now, my, my phone is pinging with stuff that I could look at. A lot of these images are advertising, usually false advertising. Many, many of the pictures that you see in our glossy magazines are all shot in hypercolor. That is not their real color, and it does actually rain in Hawaii too. Most of what we see online is just simply not a reflection of reality. It's an image that is presented to us. And we ourselves, we often add to this pool of images. We add to this content. If you've got a Facebook account, those of us who, who have, keep uploading new pictures, new images, new things, and we present an image on there, which might not actually be an actual reflection of the truth. It's what we want the world to see, even if it is only for a brief moment in time. And recently I was reading some psychological articles that discuss the mental effects of this social comparison that we have. We look at what's going on in, in social media. We compare ourselves. We look at them 
and we say, they seem to be having more fun than me. They seem to be going on more holidays than I do. In fact, every one of their pictures is them going somewhere. I never even leave the house. And so we get envious. Might even get a little jealous. And uh, we start to think that because there are so many likes on this Facebook page, it must be true. We end up with this um, trying to get a factual consensus just by sheer likes, which has nothing compared to truth. It might be the truth, but it also might not be. It's an image of something that is being presented there. And so we end up with a lot of self-evaluation that draws, and it's got some psychological implications. So what about the image of God? Can you find the true image of God out there if you wanted to look? We've heard it said, God is love. We've had big preachers stand up and preach in front of kings and in front of lords about how God is love. And while that might be true, you can have someone who loves their country, you can have someone who loves their planet, you can have someone who loves their dog, but they might not be a good person. Just about every dictator loves their dogs, but they are not good people. Love and goodness can actually be two separate things. However, we read in one of our readings today that one of the characteristics of God is that he is indeed good. Moses, in our first reading in Exodus, has uh, been spending some time with the Lord. He's already seen the power of God. He's, he's, He's helped do miracles. He's witnessed what God can do. Now he's spending time on the mountain receiving instruction, and he asks the Lord, I'd like to see your glory. Show me something. Show me something of yourself, your power. And how does God reply? He says, I'm going to show you my goodness. In fact, I'm going to show you all my goodness. One of the unique characteristics of God is that he is good. Now, good actually implies a behavior. Love Actually, love does too. It goes like this. I could be sitting on the couch, and uh, every time my wife walks past, I can say, I love you, 80 times a day, 100 times a day. I don't actually move from the couch. I just sit there. Honey, I love you. Eventually, do you know what she's going to say? Prove it. Don't just say it. Prove it. Do something. And the same with, with the characteristic of goodness. You can see a man, and you can say, that man is good. How do you know? Because he's done something that is good. If he's done something bad, you say, this is a bad man. If the man has done neither good nor bad, what can you say about him? There is a man. But for God, God is good very good and that implies that he is going to do good things initially Moses wanted to see his glory 
showing me the power. And in uh, some segments of our church around the world, there are those that love to chase the power of God. The Holy Spirit chases. Every time there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they will show up because they want to feel and see God do something. But God wants you to look at his heart. I'll show you my goodness. Don't concentrate on my, my power. I will do that, but I want to show you my goodness. This is the image that God would like to present to his people. Nowhere actually in the Hebrew Bible does it actually say God is love. It says God is good. It says God is love in 1 John. You have to wait all the way through to the end of uh, the New Testament to get to that, that description of God. It's true. God is love. But first he describes himself as good. Because goodness is an action. And it will imply that our God will do good things. I know I've said this before, David has said it, it's, it's something that we would like to remind us all ourselves again, that in Leviticus, God instructs his people, commands them to be holy six times because God is holy. We are to imitate God, not to impersonate him, not to try and supplant him, but to imitate the Lord. We cannot and should not aspire to be God's Rather, to be like God. So the purpose uh, of, our, of, our, of our worship and delight in God is to be like him and in, in all of our actions and in our characteristics. For example, man is to rest on the Sabbath. Why? Because the Lord rested on the Sabbath. The Lord fed uh, the children of Israel in the desert with food and with water. These are his characteristics. So we should mimic that and not neglect our fellow men. There are many ways to worship God as in song, as in dance, as in prayer, as in things we've been doing. But in the end, the greatest of ways to worship the Lord is to be like him. And you can see this reflected in our epistle reading. Paul has an intimate relationship with the church in Thessalonica because he helped start it back in uh, Acts 17. And uh, uh, Paul being a Jewish person and uh, when Jewish people would share the faith of, of, of the God of Israel, one of the things they delighted in was when Gentiles turned away from idolatry. That was the big bugbear that plagued Israel in the, uh, in the first temple period. And it was a thing that they were getting rid of in the, in the second temple period in the New Testament. And so you see Paul describe, and he, as he rejoices with the Thessalonians, I, I know you guys, I know your faith, because I know how you turned from your idols. And then you turned around and imitated us. This is Paul and his team. And he says the same thing in, in uh, Philippians and in um, 1 Corinthians. He says, imitate us as we imitate the Messiah. Be like us as we're trying to be like Christ. In fact, that's why we call ourselves Christians. Not just a name Christian, but to be like Christ. God had revealed himself to Paul 
And Paul, as he was running around presenting the good news, was revealing the Messiah to those people in the way he behaved, in his actions. The image of the Messiah, which they hadn't seen. They hadn't seen Jesus, not in Thessalonica. Jesus hadn't been to Greece. But he does in the form of the apostles. And this world, when it looks for God, where is it going to look? Is it going to look at YouTube? What's it going to find? Um, I remember when I was in China, uh, I went to a church uh, in, in, a, in a city not too far from Hong Kong. And uh, when I walked into the church, everyone had robes on. Everyone. Um, and I didn't. I'm thinking, uh, ooh. And they looked at me and they said, where's your robe? I said, ah, oh, very sorry. I couldn't pack it. Can I borrow one of yours? What's going on? Because when they were forming their church, they Googled on the internet, what does church look like? And they Googled the Catholic Mass. And they saw everybody standing on an altar in a robe. So they thought, that's what we got to do. And so when I showed up to church, jeans and my shirt, thinking, wow, you guys are part of a cult. No, it's the image they were looking for, but they need the true image of God. Where are they going to get it? They're going to get it in us and in the reflection that we're going to, to put to this world. It's an incredibly important task. Now, looking at the other issue that is in images in our uh, gospel passage, uh, we see that Jesus uh, is being set up again for a trap, this time between the disciples of the Pharisees, as we were in the temple, and uh, some Herodians, the sort of more Hellenist component of the Jewish world. And uh, uh, they're, they're trying to say... We can't seem to get Jesus in his, um, in his Torah. We can't seem to trap him in the way he uh, does his teachings. Because he's actually quite good. You know, he's healing people. He's casting out demons. Um, can't beat him on that stuff. But we'll trap him against the law. We'll, we'll make the Romans think he's seditious. We'll make the Romans think he's plotting a rebellion. We can get the Romans to do our dirty work for us. So, Jesus, what do you say? Should we pay taxes or not? I mean, if you say that God is a king and we shouldn't pay taxes, we got you. And if you say, of course, we need to pay taxes to Rome, well, you're just like those people who love the occupier. It's a good trick. So Jesus expertly handles the tension that we see here in in the issue between God and Caesar. And he asks for a coin. Now, coinage, very popular in the ancient world, of course, just like today, maintained the economy and it held the society in a sense of balance and order. You knew what you could buy with. You knew how to trade. Things had value. Images on those coins would also capture a sense of authority. Obedience to that authority provided the order and the balance. Now, ultimately, of course, we have to be obedient to God. But obviously, for Jesus, that obedience does not mean that we should rebel against Rome. So Jesus shrewdly answers, whose image and inscription is on this coin? 
Now, in that time period, uh, the Caesar was Tiberius, and coins that bore the mark of Caesar also had an inscription that said, Caesar is God. Tiberius is God. So this is an affront. Obviously, Jesus and his disciples are not in the habit of carrying this type of coin. And so Jesus is very clever because he's also giving a dig at whoever owns this coin. What are you doing in the temple with a coin that says Caesar is God? The, the phrase, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to the Lord's the things of the, of the Lord's, pose us a piece of tension, which we have to wrestle with to this day. Yes, God is above all the kingdoms of the, of the world. But did he not also put those kings there? How should we as believers relate to the government that is around us and how should we be relating to God? What image are we going to present to the world about this? It's a tension that changes through the ages. In each different age of the church, we have a different relationship with, it, with, with the rulers. Sometimes they hate us so much they kill us. They seek to drive us out and they destroy us. Sometimes they leave us in peace and we can share the gospel freely. Sometimes we get so wealthy, we stop sharing the gospel so freely. And it changes countries. The way our brothers and sisters in China relate to, to the Caesars there is different to the way our brothers and sisters in America relate, or Australia, or Ethiopia. So it's not as easy and clear-cut. However, render to the local authorities the things that are theirs. Yes, we do have to buckle up our seatbelts when we drive cars and try and obey the speed limit. Okay, and we have to pay our taxes. And watch what we wear when we go outside. We have decency rules. But we also have a higher authority. And he charges us to be like him. What does the Lord require of you, O oh man? But to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And be holy, because I am holy. Look like me. These are the things that I do, so these are the things I want you to do. When they challenged Jesus for healing on the Sabbath, his response in the Gospel of John is, I do the things I see my Father doing in heaven. Now we all know that God heals on the Sabbath. He doesn't, when someone's sick, say, you know what, this is a really bad time to pray to me right now, it's the Sabbath. Um, pray for you. You, just, you hold off for 24 hours, hope you can make it. I'll heal you on Sunday. No, the Lord is gracious and he is merciful and he is the one that is healing on the Sabbath. And so doctors in this country work on Shabbat because they're Im imitating what God does. And Jesus said exactly the same thing. I do the things that I see my father doing. So you want to know what God looks like? Then look at the person of the Messiah. Look at Jesus of Nazareth. So the image of God that this world needs is the image of Jesus. And where are they going to see that? They're going to see it in us. They're going to see it in the people that bear his name. Those Christians who should look like Christ. 
The good thing is we don't get to do this alone. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, all of this burden is just on me to, uh, to present the truth. Well, I get to do it with you. I get to do it with, with you. You get to do it with me. And when I fall, and I will, then you come along and you pick me up. And you say, the Lord, the Lord be with you. And also with you. We can repent. We can take courage that the Spirit will still be with us. Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And then, inspired by each other's encouragement, inspired by the Holy Spirit, looking at the person of Jesus and the things that he has done, looking at our heroes, we call them saints, we're coming up to, to All Saints Day, and, uh, and those, that, those, that is the image that we then present to the world, a true image of God, a compassionate God. It says, I'm, I'm a God full of compassion. I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion, mercy on whom I will have mercy. I'm gonna, a God that, it, that blesses, a God that forgives, a God that heals, a God that defends, a God that is good. And everything about him is good. As it says in Deuteronomy, all God's ways are justice. Too often in this world we don't get justice, we don't even know what justice is, but God's ways are justice. And we join in. We join in sharing the good news by acting it out in the person of Jesus in our lives. I don't do this by myself, I do it with you. So many of our prayers are in the, the plural form. Father, forgive us our sins. Give us our daily bread. I want you to have your daily bread as much as you want me to have mine so that we can get it, we can share it. We can use it for the establishment of the kingdom. We can, whatever we're doing will give honor and glory to the risen Lord. This world needs to see a true image of God. If we're not showing it, they will look for it somewhere else. They will look for it online. They will look for it in a magazine. They will look for it uh, on YouTube. And there's a chance, probably a good one, that they will not get the true reflection. They will not get the true reality. So they're going to need to see it in, in us. So brothers and sisters, we need to reflect the true character of God. We need to reflect the goodness of God to this world. We need to reflect his mercy and his love. The good news is seen in us. And this world, this, this kingdom, has, has the empowerment of, of the spirit. And it cannot be stopped. The gates of hell will not prevail. The good news is this kingdom gets bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger as more and more people see the true image and join in. And as we go, as we do our walk with the Lord, we will have to wrestle with what does it mean to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. A good, lively, healthy debate in friendship, love, and blessing, knowing that our king is higher above all calling us to serve, calling us to love, calling us to witness and minister to his people and to the lost. And we will bring salvation and we will bring the light and the darkness will flee. And that will be good. It will be good news to the poor and the lost. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.